You are listening to the Be The Bridge podcast with Latasha Morrison. How are you guys doing today? It's exciting. Each week, Be The Bridge podcast tackles subjects related to race and culture with the goal of bringing understanding. But I'm going to do it in the spirit of love. We believe understanding can move us toward racial healing, racial equity, and racial unity. Latasha Morrison is the founder of Be The Bridge, which is an organization responding to racial brokenness and systemic injustice in our world. This podcast is an extension of our vision to make sure people are no longer conditioned by a racialized society, but grounded in truth. If you have not hit the subscribe button, please do so now. Without further ado, let's begin today's podcast. Oh, and stick around for some important information at the end. Welcome to our Be The Bridge family. I am your guest host, Dr. Will Gravely, and I have the honor of serving as a board member of Be The Bridge, and I am in place of our amazing founder, Latasha Morrison. And so we are celebrating our six-year anniversary, and what better way than to get some real-life story of transformation and participation on the ground in this incredible work of bridge building. And so we are talking to some incredible women from Hope Church. And we would love to open this up by just getting a a picture of how you all connected with Be The Bridge. What did that beginning portion of the story look like? Sure. Uh, In 2016, Latasha spoke at If Gathering um, and we were in attendance um, and it stirred me. Um, For the previous year, I had been struggling with lots of feelings and thoughts. Um, I grew up in Ferguson, Missouri. And so when Michael Brown was murdered in in August of 2014, things stirred inside me. I, I, I didn't understand, right? Like I I was, I doubted it. I, I, this isn't where I grew up, right? I kept repeating that. I I know I even put it on Facebook, right? This isn't true. This is not where I grew up. Um, and I like, rebelled like that for quite a while. And then God kept whispering to me and I finally heard him and it said, Hey, maybe that's the point, Lisa, maybe you, maybe that isn't where you grew up. Um, and so that really confused me more. And I kind of pushed that out of my mind for a while. Um, and then when I heard Latasha speak in March of 2016, it opened it up and it made me understand, um, that I needed to understand that I needed to understand why that was different for me growing up in Ferguson than my peers of color that were not in the same spaces as me. Um, and so it really stirred me. And so I ran out of that session, right. And talked to Beth, um, and said, Hey, we need to do something. We've been talking, how do we, how do we build our outreach in our community? I said, we need to start somewhere else. We need to start digging in first. Um, and so that's kind of how we got that brought to hope is through that if gathering speaking engagement. Wow, that's powerful. So you connected as many have uh, with Latasha at the if gathering, but then something stirred in you, even with this personal experience in Ferguson, right? This connection Mm -hmm. of where you grew up and recognizing that, no, something wasn't quite right. This isn't the place I've known. Um, So so we got that initial connection and then we now hear of Beth and Hope Church. And how did this incredible work, this desire, this passion uh, to see God's kingdom and um, racial justice and racial reconciliation work 
happen, how did that start to bleed into hope and the life of the church? Yeah, so Beth, is, uh, I think at the time, Beth was the connections pastor at Hope. And so that's her job, right? Connecting people with the places and things. So I, that's why I went to her. Um, and then she kind of took it from there. Uh, so I'll kind of let her explain. Okay, Beth. So even in my position as a connections pastor, because that was largely focused on the church, I also got to dabble in local missions a lot. And we were um, serving in various public school districts. And um, that um, tie, I think, is what Lisa was saying. Like, we wanted to serve folks in our uh, community that didn't look like us, but we didn't know their stories, I think, was what Le- you know Lisa was saying. We need to understand uh, where they're coming from. And for me, um, I didn't grow up in Springfield, so... Springfield is pretty significantly divided along a historic route. The race riot of 1908 um, quite literally split the city in half. And there is a distinctive line along 11th Street. And uh, the east side of Springfield is predominantly black. And the west side of Springfield is predominantly white. So as a person who didn't grow up here, just um, noticing that and questioning that, Um, That had all been a part of my experience when this conversation with Lisa happened. Um, And then uh, not too shortly after that conversation, um, uh, I had a conversation with uh, Rakesha Falan, who um, had also, (laughs) ironically, we grew up in the same town. And um, Rakesha brought to light for me as a white woman the response of people of color to specifically uh, the election of Donald Trump. And uh, she just opened my eyes to a whole bunch of issues that I was not seeing. And um, it was after that conversation that um, I saw the connection, you know, that Lisa and Rakesha um, would be uh, connecting on, on this topic because I was eagerly awaiting Lisa saying, okay, it's time to go because she was doing her research. Um, and I have a hard time slowing down. So when she was ready to go the day of if I was ready to go, Love it. <laughs> he made me wait, which was good. Yeah. I, I took a couple, I took a couple of years. I needed to re I needed to learn, right. I needed to listen, um, and read and ask some questions. And so that's poor Beth. She had to wait for me. And like she said, she's a go, she's the go girl. And I was like, no, pump the brakes. I need to, I can't jump into this without knowing something. So she did a good job of patience with me. Well, that's good. And that was a healthy choice. And I would love to hear Rakisha, um, just how that conversation with Beth Um, how you navigated that, how did you all connect? And then had you had any prior connection to Be The Bridge before this conversation happened? Yes, it was awkward. (laughs) It was awkward, but also beautiful. I had spent some time um, stepping away from the church that I was a part of after 2016. And, you know, it's really easy to think that a lot of that was my reaction to the 2016 election. And I think because I've spent a lot of time in politics, uh, a lot of people think that my disengagement and disappointment and brokenheartedness over conversations on race and injustice in that time had to do with politics. 
to be very honest with you, I was brokenhearted over what I saw was a lack of Christ-like character in white evangelical spaces that refused to disciple on anti-racism. So I stepped away from that space for quite a while and um, I was introduced to Be the Bridge from another local church. I didn't go to the church, but Central Baptist was doing Be the Bridge and they wanted to invite me in to be a part of that discussion. And I said yes, because I desperately needed to have the conversation and I needed it to happen, happen with my brothers and sisters that were white. Um, so I participated in that. I learned a lot. I grew a lot. I got real honest about what it's like to grow up in all white evangelical spaces, to be um, kind of have issues of race covered up with language of brotherhood and sisterhood, only to find that my pastors and mentors in those spaces could not pastor me through the particular pain that racism and disenfranchisement causes. So I was um, angry, but also hungry for connection and conversation around this. So I went to the first Be The Bridge group, and then I connected with Beth, and she introduced me to Lisa, who has been my partner at Hope Church. And every time I hear Lisa talk about um, being uh, growing up in Ferguson and that reality check that the Holy Spirit brought to her. I just want to cry because, you know, at that same time, I was pretty convinced that white evangelicals couldn't hear God, um, but she could and Beth could and Hope Church opened a space for this conversation that I think is so important, not just for people of color and white people who are geared toward justice, but I think the work of anti-racism and Be the Bridge is part of discipleship and it's part of how we mirror Christ-like behavior to the world. So I'm, I'm grateful. Wow. Well, first of all, you are three incredible um, sisters and bridge builders, uh, to say the least. And so we, we thank you so much for engaging in this work and for being a part of birthing it at Hope Church. And would love to just hear a couple of thoughts. Um, a lot of our groups are rooted in community. Uh, there may be neighbors, friends, coworkers that engage in this hard and holy work. Um, but why do you feel that this is so critical to happen inside of churches and potentially as a church? Uh, Lisa, I, I heard some prayerful concern and discernment about selecting the right members to kick this off as far as those that you thought were ready. And Rakesha, I heard from your experience uh, some, some pain and some trauma from navigating these white evangelical spaces. Um, I would love to just hear each of you maybe just share a bit about why is this work so critical as a local church, if not simply within the local church itself? Somebody want to take that? I can, if you guys, or Beth, you should probably start. Yeah, I think he wants us all to take it. <laughs> I know. That was um, so polite. <laughs> I, uh, There are a lot of areas where Latasha has helped us. I think um, our lead pastor is very passionate about the fact that 
um, we need to be able to have difficult conversations. And our current climate um, in a, as a nation is so polarizing. And he really um, bucks that. And Latasha's material really helps us with that um, because it encourages conversation, discussion, and the focus being on the people um, that we have got to, as uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, be able to have difficult conversations because we're united by the love of, of Jesus. If, if we can't have these conversations, who can? Um, so we really rely on the Be the Bridge to give us a model for having difficult conversations um, about race and beyond um, because there are so many topics right now that are polarizing. Um, so it's, it's been critical, um, for us to really stay, um, honest and open. Um, yeah, it's just, it's really, really important. Yeah. I, I, I would add to that, you know, I think, you know, our, the new covenant that Jesus gave us is that we're supposed to love, love our neighbor as he loved us, right? Not love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And I think that part of these hard conversations, there's something culturally, and this isn't just in the church, but it's particularly hard in the church, is that sometimes when you love someone, you have to have those hard conversations because you love them. And, but that doesn't feel good. Um, and so it sometimes doesn't feel like love, right? Um, and I think that the church has been, has sometimes, you know, leaned on that feel good love. Um, and we are, I feel like hope is a, is a place where we do, like Beth said, we're open to challenging each other with hard conversations. And I think that's why it makes the Be the Bridge, um, ministry possible at hope. Um, and I, and I think that, um, but that doesn't mean it's easy. Um, like we all, the three of us have conversations regularly about, how do we navigate this and, and where are we going to go next? Um, and how are we going to handle this, the next conversation? Um, so I, I, but I think it's important that Christians have this, um, conversation because of that, of that command of love, but also, um, because we're all created in God's image, right? Imago Dei, we, we are. And if we believe that, then we need to act like that. Yeah, I would agree. And, you know, there is a lot of there are a lot of reasons why Be the Bridge works um, in many places, but specifically at Hope, I think it's worked and we've been able to grow it and reproduce it, including reproducing other group leaders. That's been amazing to watch. But one of the reasons it works is that it has the full backing of the executive leadership and pastor. And I have these amazing women to work with to do this. And not only are they God-fearing and curious, but they know how to make sure that the spaces that we have this conversation are psychologically safe for people of color. And there are just not a lot of places that are prepared to do that in a way that's thoughtful and healing and doesn't exacerbate trauma. But 
I, I really think it's been one of the unspoken or secret ingredients to why it works so well here is, yes, we have the curriculum. Yes, we've had the inspiration from Latasha and others, but the leadership backing and the psychological safety of being able to have these conversations in an honest way has been really impactful. And I'm not sure that it would be as successful without those things. That is incredible. Yes, to have the full backing of leadership. And you said something very, very critical, psychological safety. Are we truly creating a safe space for others to be their full selves um, as we do this bridge building work together? Um, that's incredible. Um, you also shared some rich history uh, amongst the group, both having ties to Ferguson, but also this notion of Springfield and 11th Street or 11th Avenue being sort of this dividing line um, between East and West. I'm curious, um, where does hope fall? And even as we discuss where hope might be situated within the city or the surroundings, what impact have you seen um, actually taking place in Hope, both inside of your group and amongst the larger congregation? Well, to my great chagrin, we are on the far, far west side of Springfield. <laughs> um, it drives me quite batty. We are off, uh, we're even off of the bus uh, route. Um, so that is not my favorite thing about Hope by any stretch. Um, and what that means um, is that we have a lot of uh, fingers in a lot of different smaller communities outside of Hope, which is which is interest outside of Springfield, which is also um, interesting. Um, as far as the impact, um, I think it goes. I think it goes both ways. I think we're a little bit scary for those who are not ready for the conversation, and then for um, other folks, it's. It's incredibly refreshing and life-giving that there is a place that um, lifts up Jesus that's also willing to have uh, conversations like this. I think I think part of the impact as well, um, when I look at um, you know where we started and where we are now, is finding uh, more people are willing to have the conversation than when we first started. Um, and that is, that, I mean, if I were to, you know, I, I'm a business person. If I were to look at this and had metrics against it, that's a good thing. Um, but I also think that um, one of the ways we've talked to folks every time we have a book study or, or a discussion group or, or whatever is that um, just recognizing racism in your life as a white person, right? That, that is, that is a huge step. And so we try and encourage everyone to understand that you, this is lifelong work and this isn't just, you're going through this study. And so for me, the part of the impact is getting people to see, to see the disparities, right? Um, so, because then they can pay more attention and they can, they can say that it doesn't exist or it does, but then they're questioning it and talking about it which they weren't before. So I believe that's where I see hope is that we have way more people doing that than before. And so if it were too quiet, then I wouldn't feel like our work was working. Um, but because people, sometimes they don't agree uh, and that's okay too. It continues the conversation. That's the impact I've seen. 
um, is that continued at least exposure. Yeah, I would say something that's a little different, and I'm not sure that uh, Pastor Brian or Beth or the leaders of Hope Church would see this as a success metric, and maybe it's not, but I think if you're doing Be the Bridge right, or you're doing anti-racism work right, it'll be, it'll be at a cost. And I watched these leaders pay a cost for starting this conversation and being insistent that it be a part of the way that we introduce our way, ourselves to the city. And I, again, nobody looks at that as a metric of success, but it is. it has certainly been one of the ways that I've been able to see that they're willing to count the costs associated with doing what you call hard and holy work. Hard and holy work. If you've been enjoying and learning from the Be The Bridge podcast, we invite you to join us in this work. You can support and sustain our mission as a recurrent partner at bethebridge.com forward slash give. You can also help spread this word of bridge building by supporting and really sporting our apparel. So if you haven't gotten your Be The Bridge hat, sweatshirt, all of the things, let's take the message to the street. Visit our online store at shop.bethebridge.com and make sure we're spreading the word about all the work that Be The Bridge is doing and will do. At Be The Bridge, we're doing the work to empower people and culture toward racial healing, racial equity, and racial reconciliation. And this work is only possible because of the generosity of bridge builders like you. So thank you so much for those of you who are listening and sharing our podcast, sharing our polls, those of you who are giving to this work um, that's helping us create resources and material um, that will transform hearts. Um, So join us at bethebridge.com forward slash give and let's continue to build bridges together. Thank you so much. No, that's excellent. And yes, you're right. It is sort of a metric of success that flies under the radar is that there's challenges that surface. There's tensions that surface. Um, Some may refuse to stay connected in fellowship at a given ministry or in a given group um, because the condition of their heart comes to the surface as well. Right. And so this is... um, a very healthy metric in many cases uh, is to see some of these tensions surface and even sometimes people to exit because they don't want to participate. Um, Lisa. Yeah. Yeah, One, one example, Dr. Will that I would share is that uh, when uh, George Floyd was murdered, we had a a night of lament Um, and it was outside, you know, it was the middle of the pandemic. Um, and we read the, the prayer of lament directly out of the book, the uh, be the bridge book from Latasha. Um, and, and that was a hard one. Um, there, there's a lot, I mean, that, that prayer of lament is strong. And, and so that was one of those where, um, it needed to happen, but it was one that had a cost, um, for, for our congregation, I believe. And, um, 
So, but it was, it was a very powerful night. Like it is one that I will always remember. It was, it was a needed night. Um, but yeah, I think that's part of what Rakesha is talking about. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. No, that's good. And honestly, cost and value go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. Um, when something has integrity, hopefully there's a high cost and a high value due to high quality. Um, and when something's cheap, it can have uh, low cost, but also low value. And this work is extremely valuable. And so oftentimes it comes with a high cost. And so we just thank you um, and your leadership and your ministry of Hope Church uh, for continuing in this journey and this hard and holy work. Um, no, it is not easy. Um, anyone who's engaged in this type of work, uh, biblical justice, anti-racism, uh, racial reconciliation, uh, it is extremely difficult, extremely difficult. But our constant encouragement to one another is that it's worth it, right? And so that speaks to the cost and the value piece. Um, we've talked about the cost um, and even the impact in Hope Church, um, that this is now what Hope Church is becoming known for as its public face to the city, um, as those that are longtime attendees or members of the faith family there and those that are new to the, to the Hope family. Um, we talked about the impact of groups um, as a group, but would love to hear what is some of the personal impact that you've each experienced um, being a part of Be The Bridge, especially at Hope Church? Well, I can say that for me, after being in spaces where no one wanted to have the conversation, um, there's something really powerful about being in a space where they just simply pass you the mic and they listen, and that sounds so simple and, and maybe even trite, but um, you know the way that they opened their hearts and the way that they created a platform um, and didn't just invite people of color in just so that they could meet a certain quota for Be The Bridge, but actively sought ways to learn um, and be a part of even my healing is is really something I'll never forget. Wow, Rakesha, that's, that's powerful. Very powerful. I think for me, um, I think that it's been the biggest lesson in humility of my life. Um, and I say that from, um, you know, growing up in a family where, you know, my mom was very much a feminist that was like, you're, you're powerful. You, you have power as a woman. Right. And so it, to me, it was always like, I needed to take the lead. Right. Um, and what I've learned in this work is that while I need to be a leader, I don't have to take the lead. Um, and I shouldn't take the lead in some things. And that has been a hard thing for me to learn. And it's not a weakness position. It is a respect position. Um, and so I've been super fortunate too to have Rakesha as my co-leader because I trust her and I, I can follow her. Um, so that, um, that's been powerful for me and, and to the point where like spiritually powerful, right? Like, um, biblically powerful for me to really understand what, what that means and that it's not a weakness. It is a strength. Um, and so that, that's probably the biggest thing. And so it, and I listen better. I, I listen far better than I ever have in my life. And, and I, I attribute that to this work. Wow. That's incredible, Lisa. 
So, so far we've just heard about this space becoming a space of healing and even something that seemingly is simply polite as far as passing the mic and creating space is actually quite profound and, and powerful. And even this notion of listening, uh, learning, keep, keeping a posture of learning even as you continue to lead, um, lead in this work, but not always having to lead everything. What a powerful lesson in humility. Um, Beth, how about you? What, what, what is a picture or a glimpse of some of the personal impact that Be The Bridge has had on your life? It's, it's really vast, so this is a really hard question, um, but I think anytime you open yourself up to diversity, uh, diversity of uh, thought, of culture, um, it, it just, uh, like Lisa was saying, like it just shows you how much there is to learn. Um, it shows you how broken you still are um, and how much work you have to do on a spiritual level still. Um, and then it also just like shows you the vast richness of, of God that, um, all these different people are just, they just have so much to offer. Um, you know, in the Midwest, sometimes in our small towns, it's pretty easy to surround yourself. And, and maybe this is true in lots of places to just surround yourself with like, like everybody's like me. Um, but when you get out there and, and expose yourself to, um, the diversity of people that God has created, um, it, yeah, it's super humbling and there's so much to learn. Mm. Wow. What a powerful picture. Yeah. I think in many spaces we have this habit of surrounding ourselves with likeness. Um, and it, oftentimes it's out of some hidden fear, insecurity that we all just share, right? The familiar seems safe. And so what an incredible opportunity through Be The Bridge to learn from others that don't look like us, vote like us, live like us. Um, what, what an incredible lesson for us all. Uh, so now let's talk about this. You touched on it a little earlier, all, all three of you, but what did reproduction in your church when it comes to Be The Bridge look like? Um, you all launched this group um, in what ways have you reproduced this work um, inside of your ministry, inside of Hope Church? Well, I think Rakesha and Beth both talked about it a little bit. Um, we have this model, and it started with Rakesha having already gone through the curriculum of the discussion group, right? And so we decided early on that we really wanted to try and um, reproduce leaders by having one person who has led a group co-lead with someone who hasn't but has gone through the curriculum so that that they were educated enough to be able to talk through. And, and boy, people get super nervous about being a leader of one of these groups. Um, so it sure helps us by saying, hey, if you've been through the group, you know how to lead these conversations. Um, so we've done that. Now, that means it's taken, a, you know, we've had to go slower than maybe we would have, but we feel like quality-wise um, it's been solid. Um, but it's also challenging. Uh, we don't have a lot of people of color in our congregation. So we've also had to get a little creative, um, there. And I'd love for Beth to talk a little bit about, about that. So, yeah, we've had an opportunity because of, um, different partnerships in the community, um, through our partnership with one of the elementary schools, we've made connections. Um, our lead pastor is uh, good friends with 
um, Dr. Newman, who's a pastor at Fresh Visions, which is a predominantly um, black church. So we've just kind of reached out in through our community connections to find other folks to partner with in that. Um, and, and that's been a, a great experience, uh, as well. Um, yeah, that sounds incredible that not only were bridges being built amongst the group members themselves, but even from hope church out to other faith families in the community. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, Okay, so this piece of reproduction, I love this model of pairing people up, those that had been through at least a study guide before, had some experience, and those who were kind of new uh, to the experience. Um, this sounds like discipleship, right? And so this is quite a healthy model, not just in um, the bridge building work when it comes to culture, but also this bridge building work when it comes to the life of a church. So if you're out there and you're listening, us, uh, be the bridge for us. How would we implement be the bridge in our faith family? Um, this is a, an easy on-ramp to whatever discipleship life you have. Now the conversations and the work are far from easy, right? But this is simply discipleship just in a specific area as it's led by scripture and all of our resources, uh, chiefly Latasha's incredible book, which by the way is a New York Times bestseller. So the Lord has done incredible things with that and is still doing incredible things with that as well as our study guides. Um, this can fit right in um, as a discipleship curriculum because this is certainly a discipleship space. And so um, we love to kind of land the plane in all of our episodes with this one question. And I, I must say, um, I'm honored to serve as a board member and to hear the stories on the ground of groups um, and the work actually working and the community that's being formed as the bridges are literally being built is so encouraging to us as a team. And so we thank each of you, Lisa, Beth, and Rakesha for that. Uh, but we would love to hear from you uh, as we close out. What is bringing you hope these days? Where are you drawing hope from? That's a really tough question this week. With so much going on in the country, in the world. Um, we're trying to get through a pandemic and war and shootings and, you know, Baltimore and the racist motivated shootings there. But one of the things that gives me hope is this group and that we're continuing to push forward with this conversation. And, you know, that that's not something that I was able to be a part of even four or five years ago. So that still gives me hope. I would I would kind of echo some of that, like the relationships. Right. I think that the relationships with these wonderful women, but also the relationships with all of the groups that we've been a part of, um, that's hopeful for me. Right. Like even if it's just glimmers. Even if it's just little little light bulbs going on um, in people's faces when we're talking about something like that, that to me is what like I feel like that I'm called to do that, like in a white space that I'm called to introduce and make aware and make connections with something that matters to these people that I'm working with in the church to get them to want to dig in deeper. So when I see a little glimmer that's the hope that keeps me going um, because I believe whether that's educational disparities, health disparities, criminal justice disparities, whatever it is, there's something that's interesting enough that they're willing to dig deeper into it. Um, and we've sparked those things. And that's the hope that keeps 
keeps me saying, how do we, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? Uh, I think what came to mind when you said that was, uh, a couple of faces of young, uh, young women who are excited to, to jump into this work. Um, this one, uh, young leader that we have who is going to be leading, um, our why be the bridge, which is kind of an introduction to be the bridge this summer. Um, just her, uh, tenacity and her desire to get in there and lead and lead a group and, um, young people like that are so exciting to me. And as, as we enter post pandemic world, like hope is looking younger and younger, which it's just super exciting to think about what those young people will be doing, um, as we lead them you know, with Christ. And yeah, that's super, super exciting, super hopeful. Well, we certainly are drawing hope from your experience and your stories and what you all have shared with us, not only today, but along the journey of doing this incredible work. And so for that, we are so grateful. Uh, just want to leave with some words of encouragement um, to other folks that may be in leadership at a church or may simply be a part of the faith family there, but feel this pull, feel this tug to engage in this holy and hard work who may be considering bringing uh, be the bridge to their community of faith, starting a group, starting a study. Um, what encouragement might you say? And maybe we can frame it this way in a, in, in a sense of how we began. Uh, those that might be on the east side of Springfield, those that might be on the west side and somewhere in between, those that find themselves both in um, beautifully uh, diverse spaces and also those that might be in homogenous spaces. How might you encourage those that are wrestling with whether their church can also participate and be the bridge? My encouragement would be first to just pray because he's going to make a way. And two would be just, and one of the things you can pray for is who is it, Lord? Like who, who do you have for me? And then start that conversation. So whether that is, you know, the Indian um, neighbor that you have that you've never had a conversation with or the black family that that works in your, you know, you work with the dad in your office, whatever, whoever it is, just ask the Lord for that person and start the conversation and, and see what he does. I would say um, that it's super scary, right? I, I get that it's super scary. Um, and there's a lot of fear around, I don't, I'm going to say the wrong thing. I'm going, I'm going to put my foot in your, in my mouth. Yes. Yes. We all do. I do. And I did two years of work before I had the first group, right? Like I still know that I am not going to say the right thing or do the right thing. And that's okay. We're, we're broken. That's the, that's the world we live in. God, God knows that. And our neighbors will know that too. Thank you. Thank you for the encouragement, Lisa. Well, not to get too preachy, but I think for me, the work starts with thinking about this work as part of spiritual formation. And when you see racism as sin and anti-Christ, um, the work becomes an imperative and it becomes an act of spiritual discipline to follow this path. And um, I think it's important for the world to see that about us as Christians. Yes. 
Well, that is an incredible encouragement. And yes, this is hard and holy work. This is God's heart for God's people. And it should show up in the community, but most chiefly in the church, in our faith families. And so we encourage you all. Uh, we've gained and garnered great encouragement from the stories of Lisa, Beth, and Rakesha, and ultimately Hope Church. And so we encourage you out there, uh, if you're on the fence, start with prayer. Uh, let that biblical conviction for this reality. This is God's desire. Um, so it's going to be accomplished. We just have the opportunity and unique privilege to participate. Uh, we encourage you to join the family. And so thank you to this incredible family of Hope Church for connecting with us as a Be The Bridge family. And so this is Dr. Will Gravely sitting in for our amazing founder, Latasha Morrison. And we are signing out as we celebrate our six year anniversary. Thank you so much to Hope Church, to Lisa, Beth, and Rakesha, and to all of you listening out there. We love you all. And let's continue to do this incredible work. Go to the donors table if you'd like to hear the unedited version of this podcast. Thanks for listening to the Be The Bridge podcast. To find out more about the Be The Bridge organization and or to become a bridge builder in your community, go to bethebridge.com. Again, that's bethebridge.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, remember to rate and review it on this platform and share it with as many people as you possibly can. You can also connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Today's show was edited, recorded, and produced by Trayvon Potts at Integrated Entertainment Studios in Metro Atlanta, Georgia. The host and executive producer is Latasha Morrison. Lauren C. Brown is the senior producer. And transcribed by Sarah Conitzer. Please join us next time. This has been a Be The Bridge production. <laughs>